This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you for making Cruise Radio a part of your day. A review of MSC's Grandiosa today from Dr. Chris. Also, Sherry is here with Cruise News. We'll jump right to her. Welcome back, Sherry. Hi, Doug. It's good to be back. Royal Caribbean announced a couple of changes looking ahead. Yes, they did. So Royal Caribbean just released some updated information about four of their ships. And according to the update, the cancellations and delays are due to issues, of course, related to the pandemic. And this includes the shipyards being closed and the supply chain interrupted. Among the changes that affected the four ships includes a postponement of the Royal Amplification of Allure of the Seas. The ship was supposed to go into dry dock just this past spring and resume cruising in May of 2020. And then construction delays for the new cruise terminal in Galveston, Texas, means that the port will not be able to accommodate any Oasis class ships, including the Allure, if it was there, um, that will be eventually uh, Liberty of the Seas taking over the sailings that Allure was supposed to do. Liberty of the Seas will cruise from Galveston until late 2021, and unfortunately, Liberty of the Seas won't have the Royal Amplification. That was scheduled. Two more ships had also been scheduled to be uh, have their makeover, and that's been called off for now. And that includes Adventure of the Seas and Explorer of the Seas. But Explorer of the Seas is now going to go in for a technical dry dock. And as a result of that, all cruises are canceled for that ship through August of this year. Though Royal Caribbean still plans to begin shorter cruises on August 1st, the cruise line is still working on its health and safety protocols with the CDC. And some good news for some Carnival Cruise Line crew members. Yeah, this is really good news. So last week, Carnival Breeze and Carnival Magic pulled into the port of Dubrovnik in Croatia, along with nearly 3,000 Carnival crew members in an effort to get more of their team home. Among those 3,000 were crew from Serbia, Montenegro, and Bosnia, who were then put on buses to get to their nearby countries. Others from Europe, Indonesia, and the Philippines boarded commercial flights to get back home. However, there are still thousands of crew members, not only from Carnival, but other cruise lines as well, that are still awaiting repatriation. And according to an article in the Miami Herald, Carnival Corporation still has about 38,000 crew members to get home. Royal Caribbean has over 19,000 that still haven't been home. MSC Cruises needs to return almost 4,100 crew members to their home countries, and Virgin Voyages still has 80 people that need to get home. Now, the same article stated that Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, Disney, and Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line had not responded to the newspaper at time of publication. But yet we're going to go back on August 1st. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, So a cruise line will be starting to sail from Port Canaveral for the very first time. Yeah, I wish I was home again, but uh, I'm not. So good news for Florida's Space Coast. MSC Cruises will reposition MSC Divina to Port Canaveral, coming up from Miami to to begin cruises in the summer next year. This is the first time that MSC Cruises will home port a ship 
at Port Canaveral. And from there, MSC Davina will offer three, four, and seven-night cruises with Sunday and Thursday departures. All will include a stop at MSC's Ocean Key Marine Reserve in the Bahamas. Also, sailing from Florida at Port Miami will be the MSC Maravilla and MSC Armonia. Maravilla will offer seven-night cruises departing on Saturdays, and Armonia will have three- and four-night cruises to the, to the Bahamas that leave on Monday and Friday. And they, too, will include a day at Ocean Key. All of the new Seaside-class ships, including the MSC Seashore, which is currently under construction for a late summer 2021 launch, will cruise the Western Med in summer next year. Interesting that they're pulling Seaside out of here because that was designed with Miami in mind. I remember when they came out with that whole campaign about it. Yeah. Sure. Um, so Norwegian Cruise Line last week, they spoke about masks, buffets, social distancing, and the future of mustard drills. Yeah, and this is a, it was quite a, quite a little conference that they held, and it was with their travel partners, and they wanted to um, try to describe what guests might expect when their ships return to service. So Norwegian recently introduced their SailSafe program, and that begins to describe the safety and health measures that the cruise line will follow. So social distance, of course, will be extremely important and will begin at the terminal with staggered embarkation times and advanced online check-in where guests can reserve their own arrival time. Ships will sail at reduced capacity for as long as necessary. And this will also include less people allowed at one time within each public area. And at this time, no one at the cruise line could really define what type of personal protective equipment might be required for both passengers and crew. It was determined that crew will serve guests at all buffets, as well as the coffee and beverage stands, you know, the ones that used to be self-service. They won't be self-service any longer. And no one at Norwegian could answer how mustard drills would be conducted either. And it's not yet known if the cruise line will require a doctor's certification from certain guests just to confirm that they are fit to travel. However, Norwegian does have confirmation that every ship will have its own public health officer as well as special isolation rooms within the medical center. But that's about it for what they actually know will happen. All right, and finally, you can't get into Alaska unless you test negative for the COVID. How could this impact cruises that are sailing? Well, of course, we know that nothing's coming up from Seattle or Vancouver, so we can't worry about the big ships. Now, the small ships that are based here, like Alaskan Dream Cruises, UnCruise, um, I hear talk that uh, American cruise lines might be coming up. Um, you have to get a test before you leave home. Uh, within 72 hours is recommended. It has to be negative. Um, if you can also wait five days before, but then you're going to have to self-quarantine when you get to Alaska. So basically think about it is if these small ship cruise lines do start, um, if you don't get a test 72 hours prior to departure, test results 72 hours prior to departure, you're going to have to self-quarantine for at least a few days when you arrive in Alaska to get the second test done that has to have a negative result. So your week vacation could end up being, you know, a 12 day vacation if you don't have your test done ahead of time. Um, 
you know, COVID is on this upright, you know, it's rising now in Alaska since everything opened up. So, you know, they have to make these rules and you have to self-quarantine for 14 days if you don't have any test at all. And you have to have a negative result or bye-bye. Listener question from Allison. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. What is the best way to go about seeing how booked a cruise is before you sail? Well, wow. Hi, Allison. This could be a little bit tricky, especially at the beginning until the cruise lines really figure out what the capacity will be. And then on what dates it's going to start increasing incrementally as things calm down more. But I thought about it. If it were me, um, before I contacted a travel agent to actually make the reservation, I did some research myself. So you can go to the cruise line's website and pretend to make a reservation. And once you know you, you drill down to you know ship sailing date and all that, when you choose your category and the deck, most cruise lines have an interactive deck plan that shows what's available to book. But the downside is that it probably won't tell you which cabins are booked with people and which ones are out of service just to lower capacity. And I think if that's the case, you probably have to call reservations at the cruise line and ask, ask them how you can tell the difference. Maybe they know on their screens. Um, they might reveal more than what a consumer can see on the, on the major websites. And second, a travel agent might be able to finagle more information from the cruise line than you could either. So, you know, no matter what you choose, whether you do the research yourself or hand the whole thing over to a travel advisor just to see how, what the capacity is, be sure to know the cancellation policy even before you place your deposit. But, uh, you know, th- again, like you just said, everything is fluid right now. And, you know, what shows up as out of service one week, may, they may put it back into service. So I don't think you, I honestly don't think you'll know 100% accurately what is actually booked and what isn't. But you can maybe get a close idea. Talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. A few months ago, Chris sailed a seven-night cruise on MSC Cruises' semi-new MSC Grandiosa, and he joins us back on Cruise Radio. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good. Long time, no chat. So uh, as we'll always do here, you are quite familiar with the show. We're going to take a step back and give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this cruise on the almost brand-new MSC Grandiosa? We did uh, the MSC Miravia uh, two years ago doing the same itinerary, and we really enjoyed visiting 
the Western Med in the winter when the crowds were low and the heat was not an issue. So we're like, the prices were great. So we're like, why not do it? Um, it was cheaper than a lot of other alternatives and allowed us to see things we didn't get to see in these sports the first time we were there. Now, question about going to the Med in the wintertime, because I know I've only been there in the summertime and spring, and it's like wall-to-wall people in Marseille and Naples and Rome. Is there really that much less people there that time of year? Yeah, it's like night and day. We were on a um, Holland America cruise over the summer that went from Venice to Barcelona. So we stopped in Rome and a few other uh, Western Mediterranean ports and it's like, you know, a 90% reduction in people. Wow. Very good to know. So you're over there in California. You had to make your way to Marseille. Did you do any pre-cruise time? We did. We uh, flew into Paris and had a scheduled uh, train up to Brussels to spend New Year's there. And uh, what we find is as long as you can get to Europe, getting anywhere else within Europe is pretty inexpensive. So we actually picked the Grandiosa based on which country was cheapest to uh, fly to, because you can basically take this ship from all of its ports. So you can either board in France, in three Italy ports, in Malta, or in Barcelona, Spain. So we got a great price out of San Diego to Paris. The train stops at the airport there. We trained up to Brussels for four nights and then flew a sub $100 flight down to Marseille the night before the cruise, enjoyed Marseille, and then boarded the next day. It just sounds like it could be a nightmare with the mustard drill happening, what, every single day or every other day? Is it really like that? It's every single day there's a mustard drill, and everyone boarding that day has to go to mustard drill. And if you're on board the ship, it gets a little annoying because the bars close down. So even though you're not obligated to go to muster, they do close the bar. So there is a period of time where you can't get anything to drink. And then they announce everything over the loudspeakers, including the speakers in your room. And oftentimes it's in as many as eight languages, depending on the makeup of the the guest. And so... It can get a little unnervy. Yeah. When you're cruising MSC in the Med, like where did the English language fall into play? It was actually the first language used in all the announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were typically announcements in about five languages. Okay. Um, it was not uncommon to hear Italian, French, Spanish. And I believe there was a pretty good contingent from Russia. And then the last day of our cruise... It sounded like um, some Japanese, Chinese, and some other language I could not discern. So they actually had three more languages added to the rotation of announcements. Okay. So you make your way to the MSC Grandiosa. How was embarkation? It was great. We had status match two years ago, and we received black status, which now has been turned to diamond status. So we were able to go into the priority line. Uh, We were able to skip the boarding number process and we were checked in immediately. So I would say curb to ship, maybe 15 minutes at the most. The biggest 
wait, honestly, was just waiting for them to put our bags onto the x-ray machine. Okay, very good. You make your way on board the ship. What were your first impressions? You board on, I believe it's deck six, which is the Galleria, their kind of main promenade. And it's just gorgeous. My wife actually commented one of the things she likes so much about uh, this ship and to a certain degree, the same thing with the Royal Caribbean ships is it doesn't feel like you're on a cruise ship when you're in that main kind of hallway. It's very kind of mall-like and it's relaxing and it's wide and it never felt really crowded. The only downside I would say is there were a lot of uh, staff there trying to upsell you on everything from beverage packages to show tickets to dining packages. Yeah. They're on their upsell game, that's for sure, with MSC. So yeah. you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? I remember you were saying the MSC Meravia had some tight quarters as far as space goes. Yeah, we had on this cruise an interior cabin. Uh, last year, or sorry, two years ago, we had a balcony, but the price difference was just too extreme to really justify it especially in a cold weather cruise. So we had an interior cabin and I'll be honest, I was a little concerned about it because when I had seen uh, reviews on YouTube, they only had one closet and it had basically two little hanging areas and two drawers. And so when we got there to our surprise, they had added a second um, closet And they had plenty of space for it. So we had plenty of space for all of our stuff. Um, My wife repeatedly commented how she loved the flow of the room. She never felt like it was too crowded or too hard to get around. She actually said it was better than the hotel we had in Brussels. Even though the hotel room in Brussels was bigger, the layout and flow of this room was far superior. Very good. And plenty of USB and plugs and all of that. Yeah, they had two at the desk mm-hmm. and one on each side of the, of the nightstand. Um, and what was interesting is you wouldn't know unless you looked. It's underneath the light, so you have to be laying down and looking up to see it. It's not obvious. And another thing that would have been helpful to know is that the lamps by the beds are dimmable. Okay. But you have to just press and hold the touch-sensitive switch for them to dim. And there was no indication that they did that. Hmm. I discovered it by accident. Well, let's talk about dining on this seven-night cruise. And we'll start at the Marketplace Buffet. Is that what they're calling it these days, the Marketplace? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah. So how was your experience there? Um, it was good overall. I would actually say the food was much superior to what we experienced on the Miravia. Uh, breakfast got a little repetitive, Um but I think it does on most cruise lines. I mean, how much can you really change up breakfast? Right, sure. For lunch, it was awesome. They always had something being carved and lots of selection, lots of mozzarella cheese made on board. I think they make like uh, 200 pounds of cheese a day or something crazy. And at dinner, I thought dinner, the selection was a little poor. So it was really great for lunch. I think that's where they really stood out. And uh, one thing I had never seen before is they had this probably 50-pound fish one day that they were carving Mm -hmm. like they would carve a roast. It was actually really good. Very cool. Yeah, I do like – like you have to – it probably wouldn't be the best site for a vegetarian how they sometimes have like a a big piece of 
animal either hanging there or a pig laying on the cutting board. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do have some good meat, really good quality meats, though, on the ship. Now, as far as specialty dining, what did you do on this seven-night cruise? We went to Butcher's Cut, which is their steakhouse, and it was fine. I mean, I can't really complain because we ate there for free as part of a loyalty bonus. But I'll be honest, the cuts of meat that are provided on the uh, menu that you would receive if you had a dining package were not all that great, and the sides were very limited. So had I actually paid for it, I think I would have been disappointed. Okay. My son did get sushi, though, at the, I believe it's the uh, Kyoto Sushi Bar, and he said it was a 9 out of 10. He he says it was well worth the money. You know, whenever I dined at the Sushi Bar on the Maravilla in December, probably one of the better sushi restaurants I've had at sea. Really good, fresh seafood there. Yeah, he seemed to be very impressed. Yeah. I I tend not to go to the sushi bars mm-hmm. on cruise ships only because we have such great sushi options here in San Diego at, for the same or sometimes less price. So it's hard for me to justify going to the sushi bar, especially when the buffet was so good. Well, we all can't be West Coasters now, can we? That's true. Um, you know, some of us do have to carry that burden. Yes. So let's talk about the main dining room. How was your experience in there? Um, service was phenomenal. Um, we, especially our, uh, assistant waiter, she anticipated our needs. She quickly learned that we like lots of ice. And so our second night we had a bucket of ice on our table so that we'd have all the ice we wanted and had our drinks already there. And that's something I haven't experienced in quite a while. Um, I think the last time I had everything waiting for me at a dining table was on Disney in 2012. So that was a really cool experience. Um, Because we had a dietary allergy, our um, orders were always taken by the maitre d' or head waiter, I guess, head waiter. And what I liked this time versus the Miravia is he also took my son's order where before the regular waiter would take my son's order. So we end up eating at different times because our food would come out differently than his. So that worked really well overall. My son was a huge fan of the risotto. They have a different risotto every night. Um, The only time he didn't like it was the last night because it was a seafood risotto that had kind of a overly strong muscle flavor. Um, I would say the food was good. I think it was better on the Miravia, though. That was what I was going to ask you, because we both know that MSC gets or has gotten strikes in the past for food and service. From past cruises, you know, not just the Miravia, but going back before that, um, how does it, how did this one compare? The presentations weren't as good. I uh, mm-hmm. actually was looking at my Miravia photos, and the Miravia, there was a lot more attention paid to just plating the food, and the portions were a little bit bigger. There is some inconsistency, though, in portion sizes. Um, Sometimes you get an abundant amount of food. It's too much. And other times you get too little. So there still seems to be a work in progress at trying to find out the right proportions. Mm -hmm. But I will be honest, the uh, waiter and the head waiter both were always, you know, can we get you something else? Did you get enough? You know, if I didn't eat something because I didn't like it, they always offered to replace it with something else. So, you know, that attention to service kind of helped compensate for some misses with the main courses. 
How was the entertainment on this seven night cruise? I actually thought the entertainment on the Miravia, even though it was somewhat strange, was better. The first night was good. The first night we boarded in Marseille, it was a it was a kind of song and dance with some acrobatics and some magic thrown in. I couldn't really follow the storyline, especially at the end when they had a, a a tribute to the Adams family and people playing characters from the Adams family. But they had some contortionists in there, and just when you were like, okay, I can't handle any more, they'd throw something in really good that kept you there. And the shows were only 35 minutes, so it wasn't impossible to sit through. But I'll be honest, outside of that show, yeah, um, everything else was pretty poor. This is a Meravia Plus class ship, is that correct? Correct. Okay, so what were the differences between the Meravia and this one? Really not much. Uh, I think it's like 50 meters longer. And they added a restaurant specifically for those in the Aria experience, which uh, if people don't know, MSC has these experiences when you book. Um, Basically, there's the budget conscious Bella. The more traditional cruise is called Fantastica. Then there's Aria, which provides... um, like a spa treatment, a private sun deck, a beverage package, and anytime dining. And then there's the yacht club, which is that whole ship within a ship. Okay. But really, other than Butcher's Cut being moved over to the other side of the ship from the starboard to the port side, I didn't really notice any differences. Okay. Interesting. Wonder how many more cabins, you know, that's I mean what it all boils down to these days, right? You're gonna see yeah. how much cabins you and can I get. will I will tell you, my wife did say it felt a lot more crowded. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't constant, but sometimes in the buffet she's like, Okay, I'm done with people. Yeah. If you just didn't hit the buffet at the right time, it could seem really crowded. Mm-hmm. How were your sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Speaking of that. Yeah, we only had one. And we opted to eat in the dining room for lunch, and it was crowded, but there was no wait for seats. We did go to an afternoon game show, and that was sparsely attended. And I was surprised when we went through the um, indoor pool, it wasn't as crowded as I thought it would be. So I think it handled the crowd on the sea day pretty well. Did your son take part? I know it's kind of the winter over there, but did he take part in the uh, outdoor activities like the uh, the ropes course or the water park or anything? I tried to encourage him to do so, but he opted not. We did go into the hot tubs and pool one day, and I'll be honest, I think I'm still recovering from frostbite. Um, I've never been so cold Jeez. in my life being in the pool, and... They claim everything's heated, but if it's heated, I think they need to get a thermometer because it did not feel <laughs> heated at all. Well, I mean, the Europeans do like to do go swimming in the wintertime on their beaches over there. So maybe to their bodies, it was heated. But yeah, a Floridian like me, the pool has to be at least, what, 75 or 80 to be considered heated for me to get into it in the wintertime. Well, in the Pacific here, you know, we were using the boogie board in November. And I thought that was cold being in the upper sixties, but these pools, even though they said they were, you know, heated 28 degrees Celsius, I think the hot tubs were supposed to be 35 degrees Celsius. I don't think so. Cause I don't handle hot water. Well, and 
it was plenty cool for me. Yeah. All right, let's talk about your ports of call. What ports of call did you hit on this seven-day cruise? And like we always do, go ahead and give us the port, a highlight, and then move to the next one. We boarded in Marseille, France. And part of the reason we did that is France is relatively inexpensive in the winter to fly to. Uh, Second, we love Marseille. It's really inexpensive to stay in. Uh, Third, we knew Marseille had a Christmas market we could visit. And fourth, I think it's one of the least popular ports for people to board. So we knew that embarking and disembarking would be relatively easy. The next day, we went to Genoa, Italy. There... We walked around, uh, took the subway up to the main part of the town, which you could walk to if you wanted to. But the subway for a day family pass was like nine euros. Um, And then the afternoon we did a tuk-tuk tour with, uh, I think it's like eco tuk-tuks. And it was a shopping tour that took us all through Genoa, including a famous... um, shop that makes pesto, uh, a famous little coffee place, and just some of the highlights. So that was fun. In Civitavicia, or however you you say it much better than I do, the port for Rome, Mm -hmm. uh, we had just been to Rome in July, so we decided to hang out at the port. And we really enjoyed the port town, walking along the waterfront, um, skipping rocks in the ocean, getting a coffee, Uh, visiting the local store, just kind of hanging out. It made for a great day. Um, Then we hit Palermo, Italy, and that was a holiday, so it wasn't very crowded. So we ended up walking to their cathedral because we wanted to walk on the roof, and we didn't have time to do that the year before. And they had pedestrianized a lot of their streets, so it was really fun just to people watch and window shop and whatnot. And my son also wanted to get a rice ball there, so he got that. And then in Valletta, Malta, which we had not been to before because of weather two years ago, we did an MSC bike excursion. They actually uh, got an award from Cruise Critic, I believe, for the best new cruise excursion. And they actually have two biking specialists on board who maintain both um, um you know, 10 or 15 speed bikes, as well as e-bikes. And they take passengers out on these biking excursions. So we rode around Malta with a guide and saw all the highlights. And that was fun. That's my son's favorite memory, he actually says, was that excursion. Nice. And then we had a sea day. And then we hit Barcelona, Spain. And we had actually received a coupon after doing the bike tour for 15% off uh, another excursion. So we booked the uh, a tour that took us to Montserrat. And then we abandoned our tour when we got there and went for a hike and then joined back up with them to get the bus back to the ship. And then we were supposed to return to Marseille, France. But when we got back to the ship about five o'clock, Um, the night before in Barcelona, we received a letter on our bed that says, due to a strike, the port of Marseille will be closed and they will be unable to dock there. And so they were substituting Toulon, France. Hmm. And they asked us by seven o'clock to indicate what our travel plans were. And then we would get follow-up information later. Um, So I filled up the form, they took it and, um, 
later that night, you had the option to get a bus to the airport, a bus to the train station, or a bus to the port if you had parked there. And then later that night, we got another letter that said those who parked at the port likely would not be able to retrieve their cars because of the strike. So MSC ended up providing lodging and breakfast the next morning for those who were inconvenienced by not being able to retrieve their cars. Oh, well, that was nice of them. I mean, it's really not – it's beyond their control, right? Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, I thought they handled it really well. Mm -hmm. Basically, if you had to go to the airport, you were supposed to meet at 8.30. If you were going to the train station, I think you met at 8.45. And if you were going to the cruise port, you met at 9 o'clock. And they had buses waiting. When we got outside, they had crew there to help us find our luggage. Um, The buses were super nice. Um, Probably one of the nicest buses I've ever been on. And I really think we benefited because it saved us. Even though it was almost two hours on a bus, I didn't have to pay a cab fare to the airport. So there you go. It was a win-win for me. I get a lot of emails of people asking What's the difference between a Caribbean and a Mediterranean cruise, I mean, aside from the scenery? But one of the big things I always say is that in the Caribbean, you're going to have a lot of sea days, you know, two or three, where in the Med, you have to really look at that itinerary because you may only have one or none. Right. And that's the case here. It's one sea day. The next Mediterranean cruise we're taking in 2021 has no sea days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of, it's interesting. I talked to a few other Americans on the ship and some of them love the sea days. And then there's a whole contingent like my wife who sea days are her kryptonite. Mm -hmm. She does not want to be on a ship for an extra day when she could be out in the world exploring a port. I echo your wife's thoughts. I'm the same exact way. I I love med cruises because one or no sea days is perfectly fine with me. More than that, you're like, "Uh, do we have to go on this one? Right. Yeah. And speaking of that, do you have any first-time tips to offer? You know, I would really recommend considering a winter cruise um, in the med. You you get lower fares, cheaper flights, and lower crowds. All right. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight for you? You know, that's a hard one to say. I really did enjoy the ship, even though it wasn't that different from the Miravia. But I would honestly say maybe because we had done the ports before, we it was more casual. This was just one of the most relaxing, most fun family trips we've had. I, I can't really pinpoint why, but maybe it was the staff. The staff on this ship were phenomenal, from our room steward to the dining room staff. Um In the buffet, they have these little buzzers on the table for you to call waitstaff over to get your drink orders. Um, We had a non-alcoholic drink package, and they were always trying to offer us more than what we were ordering. They're like, you know, do you sure you don't want some water with that soda or coffee? So I think it's just that, that European feel, that slightly different experience that I really enjoyed. And your final thoughts of MSC Grandiosa? I really enjoyed it. The ship was great. The ports were great. The staff were great. Um, Even the excursion staff, especially the biking uh, tour guides, were excellent. It makes me excited to take our next MSC cruise next year. We've been talking with Dr. Chris about his seven-night cruise on MSC's Grandiosa. Thank you so much for stopping by and sharing this with us. 
My pleasure, Doug. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba 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 da ba da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.